Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Enjoying the podcast? Let us know. Send a recording or written testimonial to podcast at cbeinternational.org of why Mutuality Matters matters to you, and we may feature you on an upcoming episode. The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome. My name is Blake Dean, and I'm here with my co-host, the Reverend Dr. Aaron Monez, and you are listening to New Voices from Mutuality Matters, hosted by CBE International. And today we are excited to host author, psychologist, and professor Dr. Susan Harris Howell. Dr. Howell is a writer, speaker, and professor of psychology based in central Kentucky. After graduating from Campbellsville, college, she went on to the University of Louisville for her graduate work, receiving her master's, a master's of education with an emphasis in marriage and family counseling and a doctorate of education with an emphasis in counseling and development. She worked as a therapist before beginning her teaching career and has written extensively on the topic of gender equality. Dr. Howell teaches classes on gender studies and integrating faith and psychology at Campbellsville University in Kentucky. And she is the author of the book we are here to talk about today, Buried Talents, Overcoming Gendered Socialization to Answer God's Call, as well as so many other things. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. I'm enjoying looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, we will begin like we do every month. Like we do every month. However, today is a special day. So we're going to do Watch, Read, or Listen, where we tell you what we're watching, reading, or listening to. However... Aaron and I have already discovered that we have the same submission for this week. <laughs> Which never happens. I don't think this is ever this is never. This is history this in the making, happened. people. As of this recording, Angela Lansbury died a week ago, so we are both watching she Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> yes, yes. But I would like to add something, Blake Dean, because, okay. you know, yes, in homage to the Correct. Absolutely fabulous, Angela Lansbury. We are burning through some murder she wrote. But also Loretta, Loretta Lynn died recently. That's correct. Whose music I love. So I'm also, t- so I'm going for a two for here. I'm also listening to a lot of Loretta Lynn music while also watching Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. Because, yeah, this is what you do. It's important. It's yeah. important. What about you, Blake? Is there anything else you'd like to add other than... No, it's just Murder, Murder she, wrote? she Wrote for me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not been digging into any other Angela Lansbury... You know, I mean, content tr- bits. Sure. I mean, we're going to watch Bed Knobs and Broomsticks in a couple well, weeks. Well, of course. Yeah. Because yeah, we have yeah. to. Yes. <laughs> that sounds good. Dr. Well, Powell, what about you? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say that I'm I'm glad that you're excited about my book because I haven't died yet. And so it's really, <laughs> it's, it's really cool. I'm, awesome. I'm just enthused about that. But, you know, I, I um, it's funny that what I have actually been listening to as of just the last several months are podcasts of of, of, a variety Mm -hmm. of them because whenever I wrote Barry Talents and they said, you know, you will want to start doing podcasts. And I, I had never listened to podcasts 
And I found out that the whole world has been doing this for a while now. And I'm hooked. I have just, I put my podcast in and I go for my walk in the morning. And absolutely, I have just learned that I, I really, really enjoy them a lot. So I love it. And I haven't gotten into Murder, She Wrote yet. I have seen every episode, but I haven't done it in the last week. But I think that's a really good idea. It's time. Yeah, it's time to go back. Are there any podcasts you're listening to that you're particularly excited about? And you know, I like? I really do, and I do not know like any an, enough about podcasts to know if what I'm getting ready to say is something that a lot of people listen to or nobody listens to. I don't know, but I really enjoy the um, stuff you should know. Oh with, yeah, oh yeah, that's a good one with um, Josh and Chuck. I just think they're amazing. And I really, I really enjoy them a lot. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, welcome. Welcome to this podcast <laughs> and welcome to the wonderful wor- world of podcasting. Um, Yay. <laughs> well, we and, and we are excited. Friends, you should go pick up this book, Buried Talents, and do not wait for someone to pass before reading their stuff. And especially <laughs> in this case, because it really is a great book and we want to introduce um, it to you through this episode today. So, so just to kind of get things started, um, Susan, I really enjoyed um, reading about and hearing about the encounters and ideas that led you to write this book. But I would love to just give our listeners a peek into that. So can you share with them um, why you felt this book was needed and why you wrote it? Right. Well, what I share at the beginning of the book is that we, we talk a lot in the gender studies class that I teach about all of the socialization that affects us and everything from the way you know we play with toys and the books that are read to us and the way we're socialized and develop an identity and, and, and just everything. And I feel like my students get that and they can discuss it and write about it. And then one semester, a student at the end of the semester said, so if women are called to be pastors and leaders, then why aren't there more of them you know, doing this? And I thought, well, we had just had a whole semester where we talked about all the socialization, but Somehow my students weren't making the connection Mm. that it was like they thought all this socialization happens at work and at school and in my neighborhood and in my friendship groups. But somehow like it was going to stop at the door of the church Mm. and that was sacred area. So nothing human was going to touch it. And I thought, oh, my, you know, and so then I would go to conferences and I would same thing. And people were still surprised. And so I thought you know, the world doesn't know this, and maybe the world needs to. And so that was kind of what made me start thinking about putting together a book where I just walk people through, this is how we're socialized, and this is how it affects us. And lo and behold, it also affects how we think about ourselves in relationship to God, in relationship to ministry, in relationship to each other. And so the idea of the book was born. Yeah. And, and what a good idea and what a good resource it has become. I, I think something that's particularly interesting and worth noting is while you're an expert in gender studies and faith integration, the Barry Talents is not a theology book, like a theology proper. Book. Right. Um, it doesn't tackle some of those like clobber passages that we all kind of <laughs> run against or even address some of the theological, um, mm-hmm. kind of, um, 
wormholes that we can fall into um, right. when we talk about human flourishing for women. Um, but you pull from a different set of tools to talk about women in the home, in the society, and church. Can you tell our listeners maybe a little bit more about why you chose to address the social and psychological variables and why they should attend to those as well? Right. I think basically because whenever I write or speak, I try hard to keep my focus on what I know. Mm. And I'm not a theologian. I'm not, um, I've, I've not been to seminary. Um, I've been a Christian for a long, long time. And I certainly do study the Bible and everything. But but I, I just feel like I needed to keep um, my focus on what I know best. Also, there is so much, as you know, mm. um, people who are experts in theology who are putting out so much important work in that. And I just felt like, you know, let's leave that to them and I'll just speak from my perspective. And so one of the things that my editor and I talked about early on was that we felt like my book would be marketed toward the classrooms, but also toward the average person who is walking through a bookstore and they see this, and maybe they're already convinced that women can do whatever they're called to do. They don't need to be convinced of that. They're CBE members, or they are um, going to churches that are already egalitarian. And so they've already got that. What they need is a nudge to help them understand, like that student asked me, well, if they're called, then why do we look even at egalitarian churches mm. and we're not seeing more women leaders? That was really the um, the particular, I guess, subset that mm. I wanted to address and then leave all of the, the theology to people who know theology. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's that's so great, and and I, I appreciate this book for a lot of reasons uh, for the for the reasons you articulate, but also because. Um, there are there are these uh, subtle cultural variables mm. that are influencing us all the time. And as a woman in ministry, I began realizing this as I would encounter um, just other other men and allies who um, were supportive of my journey in ministry and were supportive of me, but still oftentimes fell into mm-hmm. uh, these these little uh, stereotypes and these little these little tricks, like um, like maybe calling greater attention to what I wear more than other people. Right. 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 And these are, these are guys who would consider themselves very supportive of women, very Mm -hmm. egalitarian. Um, but I would, I would sort of tense up a little bit, right. When, when I would be a little bit more under, under scrutiny, which again comes from these, um, these variables that you highlight so well. And then of course, examining myself, my own internalization of these things and how I might, um, think about myself. But but this is this is such a good book because um, I love how the first part of the book you walk through like childhood, adolescence, and adulthood, mm-hmm. and how these stages of life mm-hmm. have these deep woven integrations um, that, as a society, we we maybe dealt with some of these in some spaces, but on a whole, these are still very common, very um, regular uh, to our lives, and and you just you just put a spotlight on them. Um, so one thing I'd like to, to, to talk about a little bit is, is I want to pluck 
one of the pieces from your book uh, as a demonstration to our our listeners. And I, I really loved this paragraph. I know it can often be a little cringy authors hearing their writing read back to them. So bear so bear with <laughs> me right, here. But I, I, <laughs> um, I would love to take you, you. This is where you're talking about language and why why language is important. And, and you 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 start by saying you know people might say okay you're being you're being a little picky mm-hmm. about language and uh and you say okay so so i asked my students to imagine the situation in reverse that our language was so heavily oriented towards women that men regularly felt excluded for instance what if we referred to all people as she or her and expected boys and men to just know they were included what if we communicated that only women filled jobs that men also filled on a regular basis What if we expected new husbands to take their wives' surnames and expected them to be okay with the mailing address to Mrs. and Mr. woman's name? What if we attached a diminutive suffix to a word when it denoted a man? What if we referred to older gentlemen as boys or hurled the word at women as an insult when they didn't perform well? What if worship music spoke readily about the sisterhood and women of faith, but seldom about the brotherhood and men of God? Would it still seem picky. And I just, I loved that paragraph. I just, I stopped and I just was like, ah, thank you so much. Because this is, again, and it just, and it just sheds a light on some of these subtleties. But um, I know, I know for myself, I was speaking recently with friends about uh, Bible translations Mm -hmm. and CBE is currently in the middle of a uh, translation project that we're very excited about. And listeners, you'll be hearing more about in the coming months. Um, But I would love to talk for a moment about why language in our churches, in our Bible translations, in our faith communities, is actually more important than we might have thought. Can you expound on that a little bit? Yes. Well, first of all, I want to say I, I love the fact that you like that that paragraph because that is one of my favorite paragraphs in the book, too. I really like yeah. it. And so whenever you hear that somebody else is like, oh, wow, I love that, it's like, Oh, that, that just feels so good. That, that is so nice. I, I, I am a words of affirmation person. So that is just like, that's <laughs> just is. really, really good. Uh, so thank you for that. Also, I, and I think part of the reason I like it is because when I teach this in my classes, I typically pull that sort of thing up on the screen. And I just have, in fact, I even tell students, put your pen down Look, don't type. I don't want them to like even take notes. I said, just look and just listen to this. If we did, if we did this and if we expected men to just get it. Um, and that seems to be powerful for them. Mm. And I think putting it like that helps them to get. And I think that's probably why I like that, because I have seen I can just see it on their faces sometimes that they get it in a way that maybe they haven't before. But yeah, I do think it is. Um, I have seen more than one place where people who study language and who study the way we use language and how we interpret language say that even if we think we aren't, we are still communicating what we believe. Mm. So as long as we say the men of God, the sons of God, or Mr. and Mrs. Man's name, we might say, well, that was just our culture, or that's just what I was raised with. True, that is part of it. But another part is that at some level, we believe it. Mm. And so I personally think that 
the more we can just gently nudge people away from that, that will then feed into the next generation and what they're learning and the way their thoughts are being shaped by that language so that they won't be growing up with this androcentric focus on everything being about men. And, oh, that would just be wonderful if we could, in our language, shape the thought process of the next generation. Wow, that would be such a powerful way to influence people. Yeah. Yeah. And I I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I think the thing that's so compelling to me about that is that whether we acknowledge that it's true or not, the words we use and the words we hear shape the way that we see the world. Our imagination is shaped. And I don't even mean imagination as in like an escape from reality. I mean, imagination as the way that we expect reality to function. Mm. And I think it, like it, that's so helpful to continue to acknowledge a for the people who who have been told that they've been pretty picky. Um, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, uh, acknowledging that I'm the 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 man and the man in the room, but like being told like ah oh, well you're just mad that like you're just mad at like uh, dudes who are a little bit more masculine than you. I went no I'm well number one I'm not mad. Number two, I just think we should like pay attention to how we speak about women. I think exactly. it just matters. Um, exactly, yeah. And so, but I think the the resistance you feel is because it's resisting mm-hmm. in some level a a way that we organize our world, a way mm-hmm. that we understand the way the world works, right. um, and how we understand ourselves in it. And yeah. I think that's why the um, the Bible translation project is so exciting. I think that's why um, any kind of call for us to reimagine the ways that we write worship songs or lead worship in our faith communities matters because especially with the weight and gravity of a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening or in the building of a church in the, under the intention of worshiping God together, I think it holds a different kind of weight and gravity as well. I appreciate that. Um, Switching gears. So the second half of your book is dedicated to countering the effects of things you list in the first half of your book, some of the things we've already talked about. And we have a standing commitment on this podcast to not just make you regurgitate your book because we want people to go buy it (laughs) because it matters. It matters that we purchase the book and support people that are doing this work. However, we would love for you to pick maybe just one aspect that you highlight in the second half of our book Mm -hmm. to give listeners a taste um, and how maybe we can, how maybe you lead us as we work through these challenges to uncover buried talents. Well, one of my favorite portions of that second half of the book is in encouraging people to take a look at the way things are done within their own faith community and um, to notice, to start noticing. For instance, does the pastor tend to give more examples of men of faith than women of faith? Does the pastor, um, and very often, in fact, I would say almost always, it's in, there's no, um, there's no malintent. It's just a matter of, you know, they're not thinking, but making jokes that diminish women Mm. or, or speaking about women's activities in the church as being somehow cute 
or mm-hmm. or almost childlike or yeah. do they use a translation that is very androcentric uh, that sort of thing and so what i have suggested is that we start noticing that and not hesitate to bring that to the attention of the pastor or the sunday school teacher or the choir director or the youth leader or whoever it is and and I guess I say this because I am very often the person in the room who brings that to people's attention. Mm. And I don't always want to be the one. Sometimes I would just love it if I didn't have to be the one to have to do that. Um, and so I always appreciate it when other people, before I have a chance to step up and say, well, wait a minute, we don't want to exclude women. We don't want to you know, do that. So I encourage people to do that. And in that chapter, in that section of the chapter, I do list several things like what I've just mentioned and other things too, where we can be a voice, an active voice. And I do know that sometimes when we are the one that does that, it's very difficult and we do feel like we're being picky. And I have been accused of taking things too seriously. Um, more than once, but I just know that if I don't say something, that I'm contributing to a problem, a problem that is causing untold grief to women and men the world over. So I I feel compelled to go ahead and and make those statements. So I, I really enjoyed that part of the book because when I started writing it, I guess I started thinking about all of the opportunities that we have to say something and realizing that I guess in in some ways it's a little bit difficult to realize how many of those opportunities we have because so many things are said that are inappropriate. But then on the upside, each one of those are opportunities that we can make a difference too. So I try to look at that. And create room. I think that, I think that's the, that's, um, again, to a much lesser extent, like I, the, I resonate with the, you're being too serious about this or this, you're being so picky about this. Right. And I was going, well, what's at stake is hospitality. And are we willing yes. to risk the hospitality of Christ for something as foolish as this joke that we told or this right. example that we do, or always using examples from a particular kind of sport or a particular right. kind of life experience to the exclusion of right. anyone else who might be sitting in the room. Sure. And I think, I think that matters. Yeah. Yeah. We, we appreciate that. And friends, you, you want to go get this book and you, because the first half is so important and educational, but that second half where, yeah. where Susan addresses how we do this, well, how we combat this, how we, uh, I, I love the, the, the buried talents analogy. I love the idea of like, we're, we're unearthing treasure and, and mm. there are, there are ways that we can counteract this. Cause um, it is these subtle, you know, death by a thousand cuts kind of um, yes. compounding. And, 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 you know, as a female, like I, I, I read these things and I see these things and I, I feel that and I see it in my own life and I say, Oh yes, this is, this is small, but significant because it is so pervasive. Yeah. Um, but, we do have ways 
to push back against that. We do have ways to to seek better options, and and your book delivers on giving us um, those those examples and those uh, places we go to um, to to experience that. So, friends, um, go buy the book. Um, we will have in the show notes a um, link to pick up this uh, book in the CBE bookstore, and also to. Um, Dr. Howell's uh, website where you can learn more information about yes. her and her projects. Um, and, uh, and and Blake, will you uh, just take us out today? Sure. Thank you guys so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can hear weekly from our co-hosts and other themes as we develop content on gender theology for the gospel empowerment of men and women. And be sure to follow CBE International on Facebook and Twitter. You should also go to their website www.cbeinternational.org for even more content. Subscribe to the blog, magazine, and academic journal. Watch videos and listen to audio of past conferences and events. And then when you need more resources, go to the bookstore where you can find books such as Buried Talents that we've been talking about today um, from uh, uh, authors you'll never have heard of and subjects that will enrich your faith and equip you to use your God-given talents in leadership and service for the gospel for all, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or class. And we'd like to thank Landon, our support tech, and the team at CBE International that makes this podcast possible. I'm Blake Dean with my co-host Aaron Moniz, where mutuality matters. Thanks for listening. Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? Then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.